Somebody's not happy. <laughs> Take your Bible this morning. Turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter four. Ephesians, chapter four. You know, I don't know about y'all. I love this time of the year. I, I know. I see things different in the way I, I perceive things. A lot of times. I, I was talking with a couple of my friends that are preachers, and and some of them, one guy, he, he does series, and I'm like, I can't do series. I can barely think from day to day. And uh, he, he said, but 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 it's so fun. It's so, and I'm like, well, you might could do series, and I'm glad you can. I can't because my mind's here, 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 and it never can tell you where it's at from day to day. But it's uh, what I love about Christmas is, is that as you get to this time of the year, there's one focus that we all have. There's one thing we all see, it, and the way I view things, it's like I, I view the year as a, a big wheel, and when it comes from October to December, it kind of slows down, gets tight, and you can see things. And it always amazes me how people do during the colder months, how things happen. Uh, uh, church attendance gets stronger during this time of the year. You ever notice that from October to December, people come to church? I guess it's because it's getting cold outside and there's things like that. And then it always amazes me, come January the 1st, right after that, everybody's gone. And, and it, it, it's the same way with Christmas. We, we, we work at it and we, we get things together. And, and after Christmas Day, you know, uh, uh, it, it amazed me. Well, everybody likes to sit around that week after it. And, and I guess we're, we're, we're contemplating, well, I ate too many cookies. I've ate too many cakes. Uh, things don't quite fit like they ought to. How many of you, you don't like Christmas because people give you clothes for what they thought you looked like and then of course you can't never wear them and, and so 
it's this, this gift giving time. So I actually have a series for my, my, my next couple of sermons and it's going to be gifts. And today's title is Gifts from a Loving Savior. Savior. I'll spit it out in the middle. And, you know, right now, a lot of us, we're trying to find that perfect gift that we give, and God gave it to us. And Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 says this, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So we, we, we have something that God gives us, and it, it is a wonderful gift that he, he gives, which, you know, you think it's something we don't deserve. I, 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 I had a friend of mine, and, and he was talking about one thing he don't like <coughs> about Christmas time is gifts. He says, I hate getting gifts. He says, I keep telling my wife, don't get me a gift. And he says, you know, hey, it's fine if you want to get me some socks, you want to get me some underwear. I'm good with that, but everything else I buy myself. He says, I've never been able to get her to do that. She always comes up with stuff that I just don't need. And he says, and then I'm obligated to get somebody else a gift. I'm searching constantly for that perfect gift. But God gave us a gift that we need. And it's perfect, and it's grace. It was grace that was given to us when we didn't deserve it, but he gives it to us. And, and, and I want us to look at that, that wonderful gift of grace. And, and, and in that grace, we see many different things. And one of the first things we see is, is his patience. Grace shows us his patience. You know, uh, if I was in God's shoes and be glad that I'm not, I don't think I would have the patience that he has for us. As, as Peter described it in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, he said, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, that all should come to repentance. So, you know, that, that word slack, if you translate it, it, it means slow or delayed. So it's, he, he's not slow or delayed concerning his promises. And he's, he's patient with us. And, and, I, and I love that because when you think about the things that we do, even though God loves us, he came and he died for us, do we deserve that, that grace that he, he constantly is waiting. Because I think about the things that I do. I don't know about y'all. And, and, and you know, uh, uh, if there was a naughty and nice list, which one would you be on with the th way you act throughout the year? You, you, you ever notice that <coughs> little kids will behave a little bit better the closer it gets to Christmas? They might be, uh, Julie's shaking her head. She's not the ones I teach. Uh, but, you know, some of them, they act like little heat. Before Christmas, oh, they're they're perfect little angels. I got to be good so that I can get something nice. And we we kind of do that to God, you know. And we forget the Bible tells us a lot of things. And you think one of the things it says it tells us that the wages of sin is what is death. And, and you ever think about that? What the 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 wages of sin? He didn't just say that. Now now the Lord came and died and paid those wages for us. 
And that's one wonderful thing. When we couldn't pay it, that grace of God paid it for us. But I don't know about you. How many of you quit sinning once you got saved? I don't think none of us do. And what's really bad, I think a lot of times it's even worse because we know we shouldn't be doing these things. And do you realize what sin is? It is open rebellion against God. So whenever we sin, or especially when we willingly sin, when we knowingly sin, we're rebelling against the one who came and gave his life for us. And, and you know, how many of you, you know, how many of you've ever heard of? Oh, it's just a little white lie. Anybody ever say, "Well, I don't do that that, that bad." You realize all sin, sin. I mean, there are times. Sometimes I think Jimmy might be best if you you didn't tell the truth. You know, the one with does this dress make me look fat? No, honey, it's not the dress. You know, you get killed doing things like that. So you go, oh, no, baby, you look gorgeous. But she does. She went and got her hair done first thing she walks in. I'm like, I have to say something, you know. If not, I'm in trouble. And it looked beautiful. And she said, I'm going to kill you when we get out of here. (laughs) But, you know, you think about something. A little sin, even one like that, is horrible. And I got to thinking about, I said, Lord, your patience with me and my sins is so wonderful because you're you're not slack. You you don't want anyone to perish. And I know that you've paid for my sins and I asked you into my heart. I understand that the wages of sin were death. And and I I found out that God loved me and he died on the cross for my sins. And and I asked him into my heart, you know. And and I know that the Bible tells us that, 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 that confession is made with the mouth. And, you know, and I prayed the prayer, but the prayer wasn't nothing if my heart didn't believe it. And I remember praying. I remember saying, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. And Lord, I ask you to come in my life and save me and and make me a new creature. And praise the Lord, he did. But then I also realized that I continue to sin. And I realized that that wage is still stacking up. And he paid it all at one time. I'm thinking, Lord, how do you have the patience with me to to continue to give me grace when my sin? It's not just me that gets affected by it. Now I think about Achan, and and the the in the book of Job, as it tells us the story of this man who, when God says you go into to to, to Jericho, don't take anything. Don't take anything. He told them you're going to defeat the city, and Achan goes in and he sees this Babylonian garment and some gold and things, and he said, "What's it going to hurt?" If I take it, who's it going to hurt? Nobody. So he gets it and he takes it home and he shows his wife. He says, look, baby, with this, we can do so much. With this, I got it because it helped my children. I got it to help us as a family. But God said, don't do it. And then the next day, or the, not long after that, the, the children of Israel go up against this itty-bitty little spot in the road. Well, they are 
They take part of the army and they go up there and, and, and this little be spot in the road with the men in there. They, they, they defeat God's army. 35 men perished. See, Achan's sin didn't just affect him. He wasn't one of the ones that perished. But 35 husbands, 35 sons, friends, lost their life because of one man's sin. See how much patient God has with us? then not only did these men perish and suffer, their families suffer loss, but Achan's entire family paid the price for his sin. See, when we sin, God looks at us. Can you imagine, though, you say, well, it's not, I'm, I'm not that bad preacher. I've not stole nothing, but let me ask you a question. What do you do in front of other people that they see? You know, we, we come here and we've got on our church face. We've got on that, we're, 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 we're pretty good people, but who sees you and knows you better than anybody? It's those who are around you also on the outside. What kind of example do you set? How many people have paid for maybe maybe when you're not here you you've got a, a a bad language problem and other people hear it and yeah, one of my movies i love to watch is the christmas story when ralphie gets in trouble for saying the big cuss word the mother calls another mother to say my son just said and she whispers it over the phone. You hear the mother, oh, no, not that. And do you know where she, where he heard it? You can hear. And then in the background, you hear probably from his father. Oh, no. You see, because our we, we don't realize our sin goes out and other people are affected by it. And God has patience over that. The wages of sin is death. Your sin's paid for on the cross, but it still affects other people. For by grace are you saved through faith, not to yourself. It is the gift of God because there's no way we could get past the sins. It's that patient that God has that he looks at us and says, I love you. You know, isn't it great that it's that way? We, we see how... How it is, you know, the thief on the cross. Here he was. He was. He was. He was a murderer. He was a criminal, and and he had been railing against the Savior. And then all something happens that he realizes this man on the cross is more than just a man. He's the Messiah. As he's there hanging on the cross, dying, he says, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. You know, Jesus could have said, I have no patience for the likes of you. Your life wandered it said today today 
just like he looks at you and says, today, you're mine. No matter how bad you are, my patient, I, I, I love you, and I want you to get closer to me. This time of the year, what a beautiful gift his patience is. Another one is his protection that he gives us. We have a God who not only is he patient with us, but he watches over us and protects us. In Psalm 91, I tried to figure out a good verse for it, but that whole psalm is such a, a beautiful psalm of protection. <coughs> the psalmist says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in him will I trust. The psalmist goes through and tells how much he trusts in God, how strong he is in God. Why? Because he protects us. And one of the things we got to realize today is that protection we have as the children of God. It's not like he's just left you out there. He watches over you. As it says in verse 4, he covers thee with his feathers and under his wings shall thou trust. And he shall the trust shall be thy shield and thy buckler. He gives that picture of a mother bird protecting its children underneath the wings. That's how much God protects you. And, and you know, how many of you have ever gotten upset because, well, you're on your way to work and the person driving in front of you is, is, is doing 30 miles under the speed limit? Does that bother anybody but me? Do you ever get just... Well, I'm going to be late. I'm, and you're not going to be late. I'm going to be right on time. Or, 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 or this is just causing me to be delayed. And we get all upset. You ever realize maybe God put that slow person in front of you so that somebody else who drives just like you wouldn't run into you further down the road? Sometimes we forget that God watches over us and keeps us safe and all we do is complain instead of saying, thank you, Lord, for watching over me. It's like this. It's like with temptations. You know, you think about his protection during temptations as, as he gives you that way out. As, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, I, I use this verse a lot because I have to constantly remind myself of it when it says, There hath no temptation you, but is such as common to man. But God is faithful, who would not suffer you to be tempted above that that you are able, but with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. God says, I give you a way. I don't. Allow a temptation to be put in front of you that you cannot overcome. There, there, and you think about that. There's not a temptation that, that God says, I will allow you to be placed under that you cannot overcome, but I'm going to give you a way out. You realize how awesome that is? How much power is there is a way out. Now the thing about it is, usually the way out is not the way we want to go. We like to go the easy way. Does anybody here besides me like the easy way? You know, you know the, it, coming up against the temptation, sometimes it's, it's, you know, it's just easier to go along with it. 
You know, me and say, you know, what we it, it gets me every time. You know, there's this thing every time it happens. It, it, it's my thorn, and and, and and I'm bearing it. You know, we we, we quote we're, we're 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 the thorn in the flesh. Well, have you ever tried to get the thorn out? You know, God gives us the ability. He says, I'm not going to allow this this temptation. Notice there's a difference in what Paul was talking about with the thorn in the flesh versus the temptation. A temptation is something that you give into with your flesh. His thorn in his flesh was a problem. Not a temptation. A temptation would be like there's a candy bar laying right here and I'm tempted. The thorn in the flesh would be my stomach has an ulcer and I don't need to eat it. You see, God watches over. He says, I'm going to give you a way out, but you have got to take it. You have got to stand up for it. Let me ask a question. When you've got a problem and you know it's a temptation, you know you, you've got a sin that just keeps coming back and it keeps getting you constantly how many of you have come and prayed about it say lord I, i'm gonna come and, and and if i have to come every sunday if i have to come every wednesday if i have to get on my knees every day about it i'm gonna pray about it see it's easy to say but hard to do and god said but i've given you the way out it, it's you forget that romans 8 37 says nay and all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. See, we don't have to worry about it because we go through him. You know, you think about we're, we're under attack every day. Satan, Satan knows how to get you. He knows everything about you. He's been at this game for quite a long time. You realize that he know he he knows just like when he he got Adam. See, it was pride. It's pride, Lord. That woman you gave me made me do it. No, I don't do nothing wrong. I'm strong. But God says, put on the whole armor. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Paul said, he said, you can't halfway do it. You want to overcome temptation, you've got to sell out completely. You want to be strong in your walk, you've got to do it completely. You want to do something, do it, give it all that you've got, put on the whole armor. And it makes me thankful for the next gift, his power. God has wonderful power that he gives us. And, 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 he, and Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20, he says, For the kingdom of God is not in world, word, but in power. So I, I like how he said that. It's not something we just sit around and talk about. There's actual power in God's kingdom. God's not just this, this being who, who sits way up here and, and has no power over everything. He has power over all. He gives us the power to change. You think about something. I'm not what I used to be. The 
was thinking about that this week. And I said, you know, I remember how I used to view this time of the year. How I used to think about this. And I, I, I remember, you know, being as a child, one of the most important things was, what am I going to get? What am I going to get? And, and, and I, I was talking to this, this guy and he said, you know, when me and my wife got married, and I said, I could sympathize with him. He said, it was just the two of us. He said, and we bought each other all kind of stuff. We bought each other everything. We tried to outdo each other in gifts. He said, I loved it. He said, then along came them little stinking crumb stealers. He said, and the more we had, the less it was about me. He said, I'll never forget one Christmas. I didn't get the first thing. He said, I was so mad. He said, we bought stuff for the kids. He said, I just knew she was going to get me something. Well, she didn't. Because they had agreed we're not going to buy. We're going to take care of the kids. He said, well, I thought if I told her that, she'd still get me something. You see, that's the way a lot of us look at it. It's all about me. And that's not Christmas. I was there, and I said, man, I can understand. He said, but now I don't, the kids are grown. They're out of the house. We still don't buy each other anything. He said, we buy our kids and we buy our grandkids a little something, but that's not Christmas. Christmas is about Jesus. He said, isn't it amazing how you, God changes your view? How God does things to us? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. See, God can take you and change you. It don't happen from the outside in like when we try to change something. It happens from the inside out. You know, when you know, even when you 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 you've been a child of God for so long and you find yourself drifting, you can still come back to him. As Jeremiah twenty four seven says this. And I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord. They shall be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return to me with their whole heart. See, we have that power to, and, and he gives us that power to change, to come back to him so that Christmas means what it should mean and not what the world wants you to think it should be. I, I like because God gives, has the power to fix our problems. Has anybody in here got problems besides me? Has anybody here got issues besides me? Remember what it says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, You're of God, little children and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 
that awesome? We, we can overcome a lot. If you got a problem, it, it, you know, the problem doesn't have to be bigger than you because God's already overcome that problem. That problem is big because you're making it big because you've got a God who can fix anything. It doesn't matter if it's a problem where you're broken hearted. It doesn't matter if it's a problem where it's finance. God can help you to overcome any of it. Yeah, I think about the times in my life when, when, when problems have been bigger than I thought, and he helps me through them. Whatever I need, it's enough. That's where... Paul's verse in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 comes through. My grace is sufficient for thee. In that problem that seems overwhelming, God's grace is sufficient. In that problem that's beating you down, and the last thing I want to share with you about the gift of grace and the things that come with it, is time. God's given you time. 24 hours a day he's given you. What do you do with it? What would you do with yesterday's? What are you going to do with today's? Proverbs 27 one says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what the day may bring forth. We're told to... to, to to number our days, the Psalms said in Psalm 90, verse 12, number your days, he says, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. God says, I've given you time. What are you going to do with it? What's your plans for the day? What's your plans for tomorrow? Have you made the most out of what? yesterday was and today have you told your sweetie pie I love you what about your kids your grandkids did you pray for them today have you thanked God for them in your life how many times have you looked back and realized When was the last time you, you prayed with your family? When was the last time you got together with your family? James 4, 14 says, For you know not what shall be tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time, then vanish away. Maybe today you need to take that gift of grace that God's given you that's allowed you to be here one more day maybe what you need to do is come and say Lord I know I'm not where I need to be with you I don't act like I should thank you for the patience of putting up with me and let me come close to you maybe today you need to grab that sweetie pie and say I love you I've not told you this in a while I thank God for giving you to me for that precious little bit of time we have together. Maybe you need to call your kids and say, I just want you to know I love you.
I thank God that I got to be your parents. Or if your parents are still here, I thank God you're my parents. Maybe you need to tell your, your grandkids you are grand. And I thank God that I get to be your grandparent. Maybe you just need to take time and say, thank you, God. Every bow, head bowed, every eye closed. Heavenly Father, as we come to you this morning, I thank you for that gift of grace. That grace that saved me. That grace that restores me. That grace that keeps me going. And that grace that reminds me of who I should be for you. You to forgive me for not being the man that I should be. The husband, the father, the pastor. Forgive me for failing. But thank you for the grace that you give every day. Father, I know today there's people that are hurting. And Lord, they need a little more of your grace this time of the year than they normally do. So Father, I pray you pour it out on them and let them feel your presence. Lord, whatever the issue someone's facing today, I pray you're with them during this invitation time. Have your way, Father. In the Lord's name I pray. Amen. I ask you to stand to your feet. We're going to sing page 183. 183 as we sing, the altar's open. His gift to you throughout this week. You be much in prayer for our church. Be prayer for those. We got a lot out sick today, so be much in prayer for them. Pray for one another. I hope you have a blessed week. Remember our toys for Todd. We got one more Sunday on that. And we got
One more Sunday on the veterans card, so y'all please remember them. Brother Rick, you close us in prayer this morning. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day to come to worship you, dear Lord.